Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to Colorful Clipboard. Carrie and I are so excited to have you join us. Uh, we are actually going to do a two part series. And I have to say, it was entirely inspired by Carrie's sister Lucy, who's probably going to be really embarrassed that we just called her out, but we're going to use it anyway. <laughs> So one of the things that we realize that we often talk about is, you know, doing the hiring. So as a director, you know, doing that hiring component, but I'm not sure even in the last couple of years, we've ever done an episode like we're going to do today, which I'm really excited about, which is your interview. In other words, you want to be the director, you want a promotion, you maybe want to go to a new center, new state something like that. So we thought we would kind of include our best practices, the things that we know have worked, and we know the things that have impressed us when we have had to hire the person on the other end. And then we'll do a second episode on being the interviewer. So today is going to be the interviewee, things to think about, how to prep. And so Carrie, I want to start by... I want us to do a <laughs> a most memorable interview story for hiring somebody in management of maybe what not to do. So I'm sure you have one. <laughs> uh oh, I still hear. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I almost always promoted from within for my administrative staff. I can tell you a story about when I applied to be an executive director of a cent of a small chain of centers and I didn't get the job and I was recommended by the outgoing ED. And so I was like, Hey, Chris, <laughs> what, what was the deal? And he was like, you didn't have a college, a, a bachelor's degree. And I was like, really? That was the whole hangup was a piece of paper that I'm, you know, 12 hours short from earning. And he was like, yeah, that was, that was the defining difference between you and the person who got the job is that you didn't have a bachelor's degree and they did. I'm like, but I've already run a chain of schools this size. (laughs) I've worked with you guys. We've done training together. Like why, you know, and he's like, you didn't have magic paper. And So I was like, okay, I'll go get magic paper in case I ever want to apply for another executive director position. That's the only reason I have a bachelor's degree is because it's the only job I ever applied for that I did not get. So, I mean, that's all I can think of in this area of, and I have not interviewed for a lot of jobs. I have been brought on for jobs because people knew me. So I'm probably not great at being the example of what to not do or whatever in interviews, because I just haven't had very many on that side. What about for you? Well, and I was actually thinking, you know, of those people that you've, you know, maybe interviewed, even if they are people, you know, how did they come that just made you go, really? Did you not think about what job you're applying for? So to me, it comes back to a lot of that first impression. So even if somebody is somebody who I know and I've worked with them before, how they come to what is going to be a professional conversation, whether you call it an interview or whatever you might call it, a review, right? So I think that sometimes people can be a little too comfortable. And we, we do live in a city that sometimes our managers and people in leadership 
have a tendency to forget that the person who's interviewing them might want to at least be able to see visually that they can portray some professionalism. And so with that, if you start thinking about first impressions, you know, you and I spent a lot of time helping directors in the past to do their homework. And so this could be a director who's applying, who might be an administrative person who's now wanting to be the director. So they're taking our course. What are some of the homework first impression pieces that you might suggest to somebody who is planning to interview for a director position? Find out about the culture of the school. (laughs) Like do a little bit of LinkedIn stalking, do a little social media stalking, you know, find out about the person who's interviewing you. Most people in leadership are going to have something on LinkedIn, even if it's like mine and it's a little bit outdated. You can at least find out that I've worked in early childhood as a leader and I've worked in real estate. So you have at least something to hang your hat on from my LinkedIn profile and, you know, find out about the center. Because if you don't know about it, then why would you be a good match? Like, To me, that's the first piece of homework I think they need to do is what is this program and am I a good match? Right. So in other words, think about it as more than a job. But when we think about first impressions, we also need to think about our dress. So what we're wearing, how we look. And so um, even in Central Texas, you know, there are places where, you know, I have on a pair of jeans and a nice shirt. So there are going to be places in Austin where this is still an appropriate outfit to wear for an interview. But there are going to be places and schools in Austin where this isn't appropriate. Like I better have on some flats and khakis at the absolute least, um, especially if I'm looking for an administrative position. Yeah, I think, um, you know, making sure that whatever you're wearing to the interview is something that you can move around in because maybe they want to have you walk through the program and go into all the classrooms and you know, I know, I'm sure everybody listening knows that if a new adult walks into a classroom of three and four-year-olds, they're going to be swarmed and they're going to have to get down at the kid's level and respond to them if they want to have a good uh, reaction from their administrative (laughs) um, cohort. If you're standing up at adult height while you're swarmed by kids, I don't want you working at my center. And I don't think most people would. Maybe, I mean, that's an assumption. Uh, So I could be wrong. But it's also something that comes back to your homework as far as who's doing your interview, because if you're going to work for something that for an organization that has a third party owner, so basically something like a church or even a private school that has a, a, a preschool component, if you have somebody who isn't as familiar with what would be best practices best practices, you might even need to explain why you just got down um, at child level if they're expecting you to to be authoritative. And so that's always worth knowing. But I really do feel like it's, you know, you brought up a great point, understand the culture. So um, if it is a place where you can visit, even in person or informally, so in other words, driving by the school during a playground. Now it's summer. (laughs) So you probably are going to drive by an elementary school at recess. Well, and, and you can also have a friend do a little secret shopping. So when my sister was coming 
into Austin to interview for a job. You and I drove by the school because I'd been there and I'd done trainings there, but it had been a while and I wanted to see what it looked like now. And so we were able to give a little bit of a heads up. This is what it looks like. You had already driven around the area and knew where five other centers were. So we could tell her a little bit about the competition. Um, And so I think that's another part of the homework is what is the competition for that center? How many other licensed and registered programs are within a half a mile to a mile? And what are they like? So if you're going in and you want to be a director or an executive director of a program, you need to know that there's a Montessori program a block and a half away and why what their program is positioned to do is successfully marketing in contrast to that Montessori or is not successfully marketing to that, you know, in opposition to that Montessori program, because you have to be able to set yourself apart from the other programs in the area. Nobody's going to be a perfect match for every center. Um, no, no director is going to be a perfect match for every center. But if you think that that's a center you're a good match for, you need to be able to make the case to a parent who comes in about why this center is the right one for their kid and not the Spanish language Montessori program that's a block and a half away. Absolutely. And you brought up a great point as far as doing your homework and knowing what's around. Uh, in addition to other child care programs, you need to have an idea what the elementary schools are like. Um, are you, you know, multifamily? Are you residential? Are you on the way to um, a major employer? Are you coming back from a major employer, like, you know, depending on what side of the highway or the street you're on, you know, how and where are you going to get clients, families? Yeah. Are you, are you in with a a massive neighborhood of lots and lots of homes, but then as you drive by, you realize that there's not a minivan in the block, right? Like everybody has high-end sedans and then you start seeing people and you start realizing that there's not a whole lot of kids. And so, um, that could be the actual reason why all of a sudden you're being hired because, you know, the, the previous director may have chosen to retire and it could be because their program was not what they were doing to increase the revenue in their program wasn't working. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that they were doing anything wrong. It meant that they hadn't stopped and analyzed as if they were coming in to a new program. Yeah. um, And it might be that what the center is currently offering is no longer a good match for the community. Um, Like maybe uh, they're offering a part day program and the community now needs full time or they've been focusing on the fours and fives and your local school district is now offering optional free pre-K. Well, if you were focusing on fours and fives, and your school district starts offering free pre-K, you either need to be an exceptionally amazing pre-K program so that people are willing to continue to pay for it, or you need to restructure to take, to be focused more on younger children. You've got both of those options in that situation, but you need to think about, you know, you can ask the questions ahead of time. How is your enrollment doing? (laughs) And you can, on your own, go pull up their licensing history. You know, have they been cited a whole lot? How many kids are they licensed for? What kinds of licensing citations have they had? If you have all that when you go into the interview, you are going to be more prepared than most other applicants for the job. (laughs) 
And they're much more likely to hire you because you've got a fresh take on it and you're not pulling your punches. I think it is a bad idea to pull your punches in an interview for director. If you see a huge problem with their program, you need to tell them about it because you're going to have to address it if you get the job. And if they didn't realize you were going to be addressing it, you're not going to stay there for very long. So if you think your, your building has no curb appeal and you know you were, you were enrolling people because they went to the elementary school next door and that's just not good enough anymore, you've got to get some curb appeal. If you don't tell them that at the interview and then they hire you and then you're like, hi, I need $5,000 to revamp the outside of the building, you're going to have a problem. Absolutely. So um, just to kind of follow up and summarize a little bit about what we've said. So you've got your first impression of yourself. So how have you come into the program? What are you wearing? Do you Did you come in prepared? Right. So do you have notes and do you have notes and questions on a little bit about what Carrie and I have mentioned? What does the outside of your building look like? What does your registration numbers look like? You know, definitely, if possible, before having the interview, find out why the previous person has left. You know, yes. did they leave because they retired? Did they leave because there was a management conflict? Um, did they leave because was they- there a parent revolt? Yeah. Um, and normally the person who's going to interview you will tell you that in advance. And, you know, and you've taken some time to cyberstock, right? You've tried to find out a little bit about the culture of the program and, and more than maybe what you can just find cursory on social media, because I kind of hope that maybe you did that before you applied. But we definitely hope that you have taken some time to do the research. And so you're, you are prepping, you've got yourself all ready to go, your clothes are out. What is another massive first impression thing, Carrie, that maybe makes a difference? Okay, that you know, would make a difference to me <laughs> um, related to your uh, interview start time. Uh, you should arrive at least five minutes early and you should be in the building at least five minutes early. Kate would say be on property 10 to 15 minutes early so that you have a little bit of time to sit in your car and get yourself mentally prepared. Do one last look around the building. I would recommend doing some Wonder Woman posing uh, <laughs> before going into your interview, but then sitting in the lobby or, you know, whatever, being in the building at least a couple minutes before your interview absolutely sends a positive message. And it does for me too, Kate, it just, I'm not always the best at time, at managing my departure time from my house, or I underestimate traffic a lot. I've gotten much better since I just always plug in Waze, <laughs> and Waze tells me how long it's going to take because it knows about the traffic. I always forget that there is traffic. Yeah, so you know this whole two years with no traffic definitely, and not going anywhere definitely has thrown off a lot of people. So it is definitely important to to know that uh, about not only yourself but also about perhaps maybe the type of program. And again, how might you be able to tell some of that about the program, Carrie? I mean, what would be some key indicators that certain dress codes or even things like timeliness might be, you know, might be a red flag. I don't, uh, I mean, again, the cyber stalking is how I tell what the dress code is or talking to people who I know in my network who have worked with that center. 
But if you don't have an, a, a broad network to talk to people who've worked at that center, um, or your network's a little rusty because you've been hiding in your house for two years or hiding at your house in the center you were working at um, and not really going to conferences and networking events. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Those are the things that I would probably do to try to find that out is talk to people who have relationships with um, that school or like I said, cyber stalking. <laughs> So when you're cyber stalking, one thing to note is to kind of look at maybe, um, if you can, the careers of the parents, uh, because you're definitely going to get a different vibe if you have teachers as parents. In other words, you're a school that's real close to perhaps an elementary or high school versus if you're in a downtown metro with a lot of lawyers you're going to have a different vibe at the school and therefore your director is going to have a different vibe, most likely. Um, it doesn't mean that there aren't out of the box programs and that's what makes them really cool in that community that makes them appeal to certain parents because they themselves are not out of the box thinkers. And so they want their child to be exposed to that. But you also have parents who are very comfortable with their box and their kids going to go to their box. <laughs> So, yeah, absolutely. And then when we come into the interview, smile. <laughs> Smiling is hugely important. Connect with them. Remember their name. <laughs> you need to know the name of your interviewer and you need to remember it. And if their name is Sheila, don't call them Susan. <laughs> um, people's first name is the most precious word that they hear. Make sure you've turned your phone off. Make sure that you have, you know, you're not going to have any distractions. If you're an old lady like me and you have hearing aids that are hooked up to your phone, uh, make sure that you have put your phone on do not disturb, not just silent. Um, <laughs> because I have more than once since I started wearing these a couple months ago, had the phone ring in my ear. It wasn't ringing out anywhere else, just in my head. And it makes me look like a crazy person when I do this. <laughs> Uh, when I do a double take and nobody else can hear what I'm hearing. <laughs> so just prepare yourself to not have outside distractions. Absolutely. If you have a smartwatch, same thing, put it on airplane mode. And so this is all some really good things. And again, additional reasons why to show up to your interview a little early. Uh, you know, we are getting into summer. So if you're somebody like me and you seem to always be hot, you know, get there with enough time that you can cool down. Um, inside so that you don't look like you're red because you're stressed out about the interview. You're red because you walked seriously three parking spots. I mean, it's like when it's 99 degrees outside, I don't care how far I'm walking. I'm looking a little bedraggled by the time I get to where I've gone. So, and so also know your best time of the day. So if you are an early riser, uh, and you have a lot of energy in the morning, ask for that nine o'clock interview. If you are a slow to rise, you need a couple cups of coffee, uh, or you're one of those people that you have lunch and you're ready for a nap at three, don't take the three o'clock interview. So um, again, this is some stuff that to, to Carrie and I, um, it's probably a no brainer because it's just stuff we would have done anyway. But if you are 21, 22 in your early 20s, you're getting your first director job and you are moving into a new organization because 
you want to move up and maybe your organization doesn't have that opportunity, um, this is definitely a place to take some notes. So, you know, come prepared, take notes, have your questions, do your best first example. If you have to send us an email. Another thing that I really think is important to make a good impression if you're going into leadership is you need to have questions that you're going to ask them. If they're the only ones asking questions, then you seem like a follower, not a leader. So you need to have questions that you're going to ask them that are going to make them have to think, not just things they can answer off the top of their head, like what is your vacation schedule? Yes, you should ask what's their vacation schedule and what's their PTO policy, but also ask them, why do you think that your enrollment is in a slump? Or what are two things that you wish could change about the program? You know, ask them some thought-provoking questions. They shouldn't be the only one doing that. (laughs) You need to be asking them also. Absolutely. One of my favorite questions to ask is, how are they going to know whether or not you've met their goals, right? So, you know, and is this a 30, 60, 90 day, you know, that they're setting for you? And is that realistic? So have some discussion. I think that asking about PTO is always important, but you have to decide how important. And if it looks like you're going to like, you know, tell them you have this massive trip. However, if you do have a major trip scheduled in the first six months of when you would start that job, be respectful, bring that to the meeting. Now, you may or may not share, depending on how the discussion goes. Um, But if it looks like they're really into you, they're straight on, be real upfront with them and say, hey, you know, I really look forward to to working with y'all. I have one small glitch. I booked this cruise two years ago. It happens to be the second week of school you know, and then whatever your plan would be to mitigate you being gone, right? So, you know, it's definitely worth telling them that if it happens to be in the next three weeks, you know, you may suggest, hey, how about I come on, I do my onboarding paperwork, I do all the tour, but I don't actually officially start start in the office until after my vacation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, you want to make make it a conversation not just you answering questions. This is not an interrogation. It's an investigation and it's a conversation. Um, and so you guys need to be, there needs to be given flow, give and take in yep. the flow. There we and go. That's what a lot talking. of directors come with um, at least one unique skill. So make sure you know what your unique skill is and what makes, and where you've and examples of where you've used that unique skill. So if you have a background in doing some social media for nonprofits or graphic design for nonprofits, or, you know, you edit podcasts (laughs) or something, um, or you do really cute cartoon animations or whatever it might be, there's always places for those to be used in an early child care program in the communicating with parents. Yeah. And it might not be something like that. It might be that you're very active in, say, the junior league. <laughs> um, and if this is a nonprofit organization, the fact that you're uh, active in an organization that gives grants, that's going to be something to talk about. So it, if you don't feel like you have a superpower that needs to have a light shined on it, think about 
is there connections <laughs> that you bring that uh, shines light or a unique experience? You know, maybe you worked in a startup in the past, so you know how to motivate people to, to work through hard times or something like that. It, you've got something, trust us. You've yeah. got something. Even if it's international travel, because that means that you can relate to a variety of people of a variety of cultures. So, um, and it's, it will never, ever hurt you to do a practice interview, even with, if it's with a friend, somebody, you know, who maybe is doing a lot of interviews right now, phone interviews or in-person interviews who can tell you whatever the current questions might be, even if it's a whole totally different industry, there is still some, some synergy around the types of questions, whether you're going into early childcare or you're going into a tech business because, Everybody wants to know how you're going to be a great team player. Yes, absolutely. And so I hope that we've given you some, some things that will help you to nail this interview. We've talked about stuff to do before, stuff to do at the beginning of the interview, um, questions to ask, make sure you have questions. Kate, how should they end the interview if they want to be like feeling like they have nailed it? So I think there's two parts of this. There's the when you leave the building. So obviously a firm handshake, verifying what the next steps are and doing whatever they've asked you for next steps. So if they ask you for references, referrals, whatever, you know, make sure you do that at the that day. But In my opinion, as soon as you leave the parking lot, you should be stopping by a post office to send them the thank you note. And if you have written them a handwritten thank you note, dropped it off that day, you will hear back from them. Even if it's a hear back quickly, just to let you know that they went a different direction. But if you have sent them a personalized handwritten thank you note, it's all yours. Especially if you are referencing things you really liked about their program and them specifically. Flatter the people who have the ability to give you the job. Even if they don't give you the job, they will be left with a positive feeling about you and they may refer you to another center. Absolutely. And that is actually something Carrie and I have found ourselves do um, a fair amount over the years Uh, is if we come across people we really like who just aren't a good fit with our program because of what we were looking for. And, you know, we still think they're great people. We often refer them to other programs or we tell them the type of program we think they'd be a good fit for. So uh, we do try really hard to put people, help people find places that they're going to thrive and do well, not just a job. Yeah. And if you are in that interview, if you're halfway through the interview and you make the realization, this is not a good match, what should they do? You know what? (laughs) Everybody has their own way of maybe their comfort level. Um, I would definitely not try to tank the interview. Um, I actually had a Somebody, a a young adult who was telling me how they just, you know, they really didn't want the job, but they had forgotten to cancel the interview. So they went to the job and purposely tanked the job interview. And I was like, no. (laughs) Um, But if you are halfway through the interview and you realize that this just isn't a good match, I would stop and address the person who's interviewing you and tell them why you think this isn't a good match. Um, It could be, maybe they aren't, Maybe what they're telling you seems to be direct conflict in what you thought about the culture. In other words, 
on their website, their social media, you get one vibe. And then all of a sudden you're talking to, you know, whether it's an owner or uh, some sort of an administrator and you're thinking this is not, and it could be because it's a whole new owner, you know, so the vibe might be totally different. And that happens. Um, I would stop the interview right then and there and let them know what your concerns are. And that gives the other, that gives the organization an opportunity to address either a misconception or for them to maybe even think about their, their job application process, the, the job description. Because if it's really that off, there's probably a kink somewhere, yeah. you know, they used a previous job description or they used a previous one ad and it's a new owner and the new owner has a very different take on things. You know, they want to be all technology and you thought they were a program that was all play, you know? So that would be, you know, if the philosophical differences are really, really different or, you know, they, I, you know, they, they market themselves, they're titled a Montessori program, but nobody there has true Montessori training. Again, this might be something that you're uncomfortable with because you feel it might have uh, a misleading um, to the clients who are thinking they're coming to a Montessori program and you realize that nobody has that certification. So again, don't tank the interview <laughs> because you never know who they know. And, you know, just, you know, honesty is always the best policy, you know? Um, yeah. So. Honesty and clear communication. So I feel like if you took all of this from our little podcast episode, I feel like people would be much better prepared for their director interviews. Um, if you have interview stories about things that went terribly, terribly wrong or <laughs> wonderfully, um, either one, we would love to hear stories on both extremes where you just kind of walked in and you were enfolded in an embrace and like, this is my soul home. Or times when you've walked into an interview and been like, no, I need to turn around and go. <laughs> maybe they didn't see me walk in the door. <laughs> or, or maybe they just asked a question that you're like, I can't believe that happened. So I would love to hear those stories. Um, you know, if I can have a whole podcast where we're just telling uh, ridiculous stories about what has happened to our directors, I would think that would be great. Um, so please send any of those to Where either <laughs> what? Where do they need to send that? To hello at colorful clipboard or um, Kate or Carrie at texasdirector.org. And if worse comes to worse, just click the message on, on the social media and we'll find you. Yep. <laughs> All right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing, programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.